Good morning, church. Good morning, graduates. I think you can do a little better than that. Good morning, graduates. Good morning. Thank you. I love it. I love it. <laughs> My name is Daniel Savannah, Stallion. Uh, I work with our student ministry, and I've got to tell you, it is a major miracle that I'm here with you this morning. Not because of like anything, like how great, but but have you ever had like reoccurring a reoccurring dream? Anyone? A reoccurring dream? Okay. I don't know, like, <clears throat> if it's like you're, you're a secret service agent or you're being chased. I don't know if there's clowns involved. I don't, I don't know what, what it is. Um, I've had a reoccurring dream for a number of years, and that is that <clears throat> as I'm preparing to go somewhere to speak, um, I'm struggling to get ready to go prepare to that place to speak. Um, I've, I've already showered. I'm, I'm in my, my shorts, my T-shirt, and all I have to do is, is put on the right clothes and go to the event. And, and somehow in my, my reoccurring dream, that, that doesn't happen. I get blocked from that happening. And so I've, I've, sometimes it's, it's wherever, sometimes it's been like this very stage. Like I, I'm like backstage and I can like see the stage in my dream. And I think to myself, like all I have to do is get the clothes from the dry cleaner. And then I think, did I take the clothes to the dry cleaner? Why do I go to the dry cleaner? Do I need those clothes? What if I wear these clothes? And then at some point as I'm preparing and trying to get ready and struggling, I, I, I bump into someone that I haven't seen in years. And they start asking me questions. And of course, I've got to be hospitable. I've got to answer their questions. And so I talk to them. And in the back of my mind, it's like, I need to get ready, though. I need to be getting ready. I need to be speaking. And I look at my watch, and an hour has passed. And sometimes I can see the stage, and I can hear the people waiting for me to come out to speak. And, and finally, eventually, I stumble out there. And sometimes I'm like, do I even have anything to say? And, and I will say this. Some people who know me well, know that sometimes I can arrive to places late and they think that, that the reason for the dream is, is easy. It's just I need to be on time. And I think the outcome of the dream is actually a different one. And that is just that you don't bring your clothes to the dry cleaner and just decide the night before what you're going to wear. Um, but, but regardless, this morning I had that dream started to happen. It started to come to pass. And I was supposed to be here at 7 o'clock and I was on track, set, ready to go, to be on time. And I, and I had this thought right before I left the house. And I thought, man, I'm wearing my everyday belt. Maybe I should wear my nice belt. I have two belts, my everyday belt, my nice belt. And I thought, man, it's, it's graduation Sunday. I'm going to be on stage. Even though you're not going to see it, I just, I just I need to wear my nice belt. I didn't know where my nice belt was. And so I had to look around my room. And, and sure enough, it was under some, some clothes. They were clean clothes, okay? Uh, but I had to, like, you know, dig around, find it put it on, walk out the door, and then wouldn't you know, by the time I sat in my car, it was 6.59. Now I'm late. And so I came running here, but, but we're here, we're good, we, we've gotten done with the service, it's okay. Now why do I share that with you guys? Because I have had this reoccurring dream, and I don't know if you guys have dreamt before or have had dreams, but today that's what we're talking about. In fact, we've been in this series called Stages, and we're looking at different stages of life, stages of our, of our soul, of times and places and stages that we find ourselves in. And today we're talking about a stage called the dreaming stage. Everyone say, ah. Okay, okay. I'm going to make sure you guys are awake today. So far, I'm not so sure. Um, we're talking about the dreaming stage. It's graduation Sunday. And I would just say this. That I already know there's, there's just like, kind of this like mindset of, like, okay, this is, we're speaking to graduates, talking about dreams. Like I, I, can, I can tune out. But let me say a couple things before we jump in about this stage. First of all, there's going to be overlap with some of the stages. And I, I have to say that I have to get that out of the way because as I prepared for this message last week, I, was, I had done some studying. I did some reading. I, I kind of had like an idea of what I wanted to talk about. And I actually remember last Sunday sitting down back there where I usually sit, and Pastor Chad came out. Now, I, I sit in our sermon prep meetings. I had been missing 
I'd missed a couple of them because I was out of town. And so I wasn't totally sure what he was talking about. And I'm sitting there in the seat thinking about what I'm going to speak on in a couple of weeks. And I'm thinking about, okay, well, we're going to talk about this. We're talking about dreaming. We're talking about preparation, how God grows us. And, and then Chad walks out and he says, hey, today we're talking about the stage. And it was, do you remember last week? Does anyone remember? It was the growth stage, the growing stage. And I was like, oh no, that's where I was kind of going. And so I had to, you know, course correct. And so, so there is some overlap in some of these stages. That's the first thing you need to know. The second thing that you need to know is that the, the stages that we're talking about in this series, they're not like a linear one and done. You've been through it. You're on to the next thing. No, in fact, these stages sometimes have a way of kind of reoccurring, and you may, it may present itself over and over again, and we, we can learn from it each time. It's not a, a one and done, close the book, close the chapter, move on, go to the next thing. No, in fact, we will find ourselves sometimes in a stage multiple times because we can still learn from it. And the dreaming stage may be a little tricky, and the reason why I think as adults or, or maybe if we're older, we're not graduates, we may want to like instinctively tune out, is because the dreaming stage does kind of line up with the progression of life that we live through. You see, the, the dreaming stage starts with kids when they're old enough to, to talk and converse with you, and you say, man, what do you want to be when you grow up, buddy? And we get these like lovely answers from the kids, and it's like, I want to be a doctor or a fireman or a dinosaur. And you're like, okay, well, let's work on that a little bit, okay? Uh, but they have these dreams, and, and they start to think about stuff like this. Like, what do they want to be? What do they want to do? Uh, maybe in middle school, they, they came with you to, to work to shadow you for career day. And they're like, well, that's not what I want to do, okay? <laughs> they had a little glimpse of like what work was like or what they wanted to do. Maybe graduates, for us, has been picking a school, picking a major, okay? We've had to like think about these things. We had to dream about, all right, this is getting a little serious, like trajectory of my life. Um, and, and you may change. You may change your mind a little bit. You may change major a few times. I just recommend trying to stick close enough to where you don't have to like retake other classes that you, you know, would have. Anyways, um, maybe when you graduate from college, that's another time where we just tend to dream. And you think, man, do I want to start a, a job where I will go back and, and work back in my hometown and live with mom and dad? Or, or do I want to do something totally different and, and try something new and incredible that I've never thought of before? Like the, the, the dreaming stage kind of coincides with life. But I'll say this, it's not just that. Uh, the, the truth is this, we've seen now, like I, I actually have a bunch of people have uh, posted online this book that they've been reading through, um, and it's How to Find God's will for your life or vision for your life as empty nesters. And so maybe, you know, this is a new stage where kids are moving out of the house or maybe you're finding yourself in that stage where, where life's gonna look a little bit differently and you have to think through, what does that mean for you? Um, you hear now people talk about encore careers where it's not just a set, like I have one job, work all the way through and I'm done. No, the, the, it's not quite so linear. Or maybe with grandchildren, you're dreaming again or retirement or maybe you're saying, how can I use my unique resources, skills, abilities and what God has given me to work for the church or for what God's got. You see, it's probably harder whenever you're set and established, it's hard to think about dreams because you've got the everyday life in front of you. I remember for me, I was working in Long Island, New York as a youth pastor, and I knew that God was stirring in my heart to change and do something differently, and I started to commit to praying about it. That was kind of like step one. I just started praying, God, what do you have? What are you gonna do? What are you gonna show me? And eventually, after multiple years of doing that, I ended up down here in South Carolina working at Mount Horeb at the end of 2014, and I remember I was so excited. I sat down with a mentor friend of mine, and I said, man, I'm, I'm here. I wanna meet with you. you know, ask me questions. Help me get better in life. And he said, well, what are your goals for the next five years? I looked at him kind of like a blank stare, like, goals for the next five years? Like, no, I had a goal. It was to, like, move. I've moved. <laughs> I'm good now, right? And he's like, no, keep dreaming. Keep thinking. What, what do you want to do now that you're here? What's next? 
And so we're talking today about the dreaming stage. No matter where you are, no matter what you're doing, you can fit into this category. Now, the people of, of God have been dreamers for a long time. And we're not talking just about like going to sleep and like dreaming a dream. Uh, I'll say this, like sometimes that's just like crazy. Like, I don't know if it's the, the pepperoni pizza that you had the night before or if it's just some kind of residual anxiety, but like dreams can be scary and crazy. And so we're not talking specifically about those, though God can communicate through those as we see through scripture. But we're talking this morning specifically about dreams, about a calling, about a vision, about something that God has laid on your heart, a passion for something where he is developing and asking of you to say, man, how would you be a part of my work? How will you jump into my kingdom work? Now, maybe this will happen through your career. Maybe you can serve God through what you're doing. Maybe it'll be through having a family. Your dream has been to, to have a family and to develop them and instill in them character and, 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 and work with them and, and see them come and do great things. Or maybe it's a justice cause that you're passionate about. Maybe it's something you want to pursue. In, in Ephesians 2, chapter, 10, chapter 2, verse 10, it actually says this, that we are his, speaking of God, his workmanship. We are created in Christ Jesus for the good works which he has prepared for us beforehand. God's desire is to use us. And he wants to use us in line with what his will and accomplishment and what he wants to accomplish is. And so he puts in us desires and skills and abilities and calling and passion. And that's what we're speaking of today in the dreaming phase. And it's important to, to identify this because if I said to you, man, if you dream dreams, if you have desires, if you have passions, pursue all that. I mean, that's, what, that's what Hollywood tells us. That's what culture tells us. We say things like, man, you just have to follow your heart and you need to chase your dreams. And there's one small problem with that. It's that our heart, our dreams, our our passions, uh, we don't know what we want sometimes. It changes. If I were to chase my dream, I, I sometimes dream about waking up early. Get a little exercise in, you know, re having a nice cup of coffee, reading the Bible, quiet before the, the whole town wakes up. Sometimes I have a dream of hitting the snooze button a few more times, okay? If I'm just being real, roll over again, nothing happens, and I still get to work on time. Like, I don't know, like, that's, that's a dream. Maybe you have a dream of going home early and spending time with the family, in a plant-based diet, you know, helping out in the community, volunteering at church. But you also have a dream of finishing that Netflix series that you've been watching. And the truth is this, those things are conflicting. Second Corinthians, if, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old things have gone. Behold, the new things have come. And that's an internal battle sometimes. And so when we talk about chasing dreams, we're not talking about chasing every desire, every passion, every like whimsical idea that we have. We're talking about chasing what we believe God is putting on our hearts, what we believe God is asking us to do and, and calling us to do. We're talking about God-given dreams deep inside of our hearts. And the beautiful thing is this, a dream like that, a vision like that for your life that God gives you can actually serve as a roadmap or, or like a compass in deciding what to do and how to accomplish things what to say yes to, what to say no to. And we talk about starting with the end in mind, uh, saying, how do I get to where I wanna be? For me, this, was, this manifested itself most in college. When I got to Bible college, I knew I wanted to be a pastor. I didn't know the specifics. I didn't know youth ministry. I didn't know what it would look like. I just knew I wanted to serve God. I wanted to teach the Bible. And so when I got to school, it was super common and super normal for college students to go around and visit other churches and kind of church shop. And they would visit one church one week and one church the next week. And they would say stuff like, ah, the teaching was good there, but the worship uh, wasn't like Mount Horeb. And you're going to have a chance to do that, to visit other churches and say, man, where do I go? Where do I attend? Do I attend? Like, yes, all of those things. 
And I remember deciding early on, I didn't want to hop around from church to church to church every week. I wanted to commit to one church. I wanted to get involved. And that's where I first started helping out in student ministry. And the rest from there was history. Or even more specifically, I remember when I got to college, I had the strong desire to be an RA, a resident assistant. I thought it was going to be great. Uh, I mean, what could, be, what could go wrong with living on a hall with a bunch of guys and being in charge of them and helping them grow spiritually? And it, it was rough. And I remember I had this desire since freshman year. I kind of had this, like, this vision of how awesome it would be and how great it would be. And so freshman year, I applied to be an RA, and I found out. I actually was told, hey, we don't usually hire freshmen to, to do this. And I said, it's okay. I'm going to apply anyway. And I didn't get it. And so my sophomore year, I applied again. Didn't get it. It wasn't until my junior year that I became an RA. And I remember before they were deciding to see like if I could do that, if it was right before the process that we were selected. I remember it was kind of towards the end of the school year. It was finals week. And I was spending an, a, a, a more than normal time uh, in the library. I mean, it was different from, I, mean, I didn't even know we had a library for a while, but I was in the library in college. And I just remember I was there till late at night and they were closing the library. And while they were closing, I just kind of, I had been watching this show. It was called Prison Break. And as I was watching the show and, and studying late and, and being in the library, I started to notice some like flaws in how they locked up the library. I started to notice that when they went and they checked some of the bathrooms, they started hitting some lights and they would check the, the mezzanine and they would close those lights. And I just thought to myself, I think it'd be really easy to get locked in to the library. And so over the course of two or three days, I like devised this whole plan. I like studied their routes, where they walked and which lights they hit, where they checked first. And I went back to the hall to all the guys. I said, guys, I need to tell you something. I have devised this plan of how you can get locked in the library and spend the night in the library. They're like, tell us about it. So I started to tell them. Well, they walk this way and then they go that way and then they do this and they do that. And they would ask me questions. Well, what if this and what if that? And listen, it was a foolproof plan. I told them everything. And within five minutes, they looked at me and they said, all right, we're sleeping there tonight. I was like, well, what do you mean? What do you mean we're sleeping there tonight? They said, no, no, listen, this is a great plan. I said, well, I know it's a great plan. Thank you. They're like, no, it's a great plan. We need to spend the night in the library. And I'm still like, not sure why. And they decided that night, they grabbed all the things. We were having sleeping bags, toothbrushes, and, and, and stuffing things together and getting ready to go get locked in the library to spend the night there. And they looked at me and they said, are you coming with us? And I had this moment, this, this decision that I had to make. Am I going to do this? Or am I not going to do this? But in the back of my head, I knew that I was trying to become an RA. And I knew that if we got caught, here's this guy who's applying for the third time to become an RA. Oh, what's going to happen? What are they going to say? And so I decided in the end not to do it. And sure enough, they went through and the next day, didn't get caught. I'm telling you, it was a really good plan. But it helped me. It was a guide for me in my life. I was determined. I knew where I was going. I knew what I was doing. And I could say no to the distractions along the way because God had put that in my heart. And so whatever God-given dream you have or, or maybe you need to start having or, or, or go back to dreaming, whatever God is calling you to do, there's kind of what we want to land on today and talk about today is the gap between when God gives you a vision, a dream, a desire, a passion, and, and the realization of that that happens over here somewhere. Along the timeline, there's this gap between when you receive that and when it comes into play. And a lot of times there's some tension there. There's some discomfort there. In fact, we're going to look today at four words that are going to kind of characterize our time within that gap. But to do so, 
I want us to look at this, the story of Joseph. And Joseph was, in Scripture, a dreamer. Um, and his story is found in Genesis 37. So if you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn there. Genesis 37. If you have it on your phone, you can look in your phone, look in your Bibles. Um, and I want to start out by reading some of his story. Now, it's a long story. It spans 10 chapters worth. And if you're sitting down to read it, I mean, it's, it's a lot. But we want to kind of go through it today and pick up some of the, 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 more, the interesting parts, the parts that speak to his dreams um, in his dreamer state, and, and hopefully see what we can learn from that this morning. Are you guys still with me? You still tracking? Awesome. Are you saying no? Or are you just shaking your head? Okay. Genesis 37, looking at verse 1, says this. Um, Jacob lived in the land of his fathers. Verse 2, these are the generations of Jacob. Joseph was 17 years old. Now, it's, it's Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob are the three patriarchs of the people of Israel. And the story of Joseph starts here, where it says he was 17 years old. He was pasturing the flock with his brothers. And he was a boy with the sons, and, and explains who the, the mothers were. We'll get to that in a second. The, the wives of Jacob. Joseph brought a bad report of them to the father. So Joseph is with his brothers, and he brings a bad report to his father. What does that mean? He tattletales. Okay, now, now for some people, that's a bit, oh, big no-no, that's a big deal. Okay, I, when I was a kid, I was the one who tattletales. So this is like perfectly fine behavior in my mind. And it says that Jacob loved, verse 3, Jacob loved Joseph more than any other of his sons because he was the son of his old age. Now, again, I have a younger brother. And he's the youngest in our family, and I've told him multiple times that he is the favorite, that he is spoiled because he is the youngest. And it seems to me here, like it's in the Bible, if we're reading the text well, it says that Jacob loved him because he was the child of his old age. He was the youngest. He was probably spoiled. Now, he has another brother that comes after him, but at this point, he was the youngest. He was probably spoiled. But also we know from the story in, in the chapters that come before this that Jacob had actually have, has 12 sons with four different women. And Joseph was one of the sons from the woman he actually loved, Rachel. And so he has a different care, a different love for him. And the brothers pick up on this. But it says in verse 3, so much so that he made him a coat of many colors. Verse 4, but when his brothers saw that his father loved him more than all of his other brothers, they hated him and could not speak peacefully to him. Verse five, now Joseph had a dream, and when he told it to his brothers, they hated him even more. He said, hear the dream that I have dreamed. Behold, we were binding sheaves in the field. Behold, one sheave arose and stood upright, and behold, your sheaves gathered around and, and bowed down to it, bowed down to my sheaf. His brothers said, are you indeed to reign over us? Are you indeed to rule over us? So they hated him even more for all of his dreams and all of his words. Again, it's like, uh, duh. The youngest brother, who's already favored from the father, comes up and says, hey guys, they already hate him. They already can't speak peacefully to him. Hey guys, I had a dream last night. We were in the field. I was taking care of some sheaves of hay. And you know, one of them stood a little bit taller and all the other ones bowed down to it. And the one that stood taller was mine and the other ones were, were your guys's. It's like, what do you think was gonna happen? And they hated him even more for his dreams. Then he dreamed, verse nine, another dream and told it to his brothers. It's like, bro, did you not learn your lesson? He said, behold, I have dreamed another dream, and very similar, the sun, the moon, 11 stars were bowing down to me. This time he told it to his father and his brothers, and even his father rebuked him and said to him, what is this dream that you have dreamed? Shall I, your mother, and your brothers indeed come and bow ourselves to you, to the ground before you? And the brothers were jealous of him, but his father kept, say, kept the saying in mind. 
Now it's interesting here because he says he has a similar dream where he's the, the, the star, the stars bow down to him, he's the brighter sun and the moon bow down and, and he's in the center of attention and he's relaying this dream and even the dad rebukes him but then it says here that he kept this saying in his mind. Meaning there was something about this that even Jacob, the dad, knew there's something different about Joseph. There's something about what he's experiencing. There's something about what he's telling. There's something about this dream inside of him. I don't think it's just him being like, like better than the brothers. There's something that's going on in his heart that he is sharing this dream with us. Now, his story is long, and so I want to kind of move through this quickly. But essentially, the next day, the dad says to, or not the next day, but the next movement in the story, the dad says to Joseph, go check on your brothers. They're out in the field. They're, they're working with the animals. Go check in on them. Bring them some, some gifts. Bring me a report, tattletale again, about how things are going, how they're doing. And in verse 19, it says, they saw him from afar, and before he came near to them, they conspired against him to kill him. They said to one another, here comes this dreamer. Again, this is the reputation he's got. And the brothers get him and their intention is to kill him and to smear animal blood and tell the dad that he was killed by some animals. And then they see a caravan of, of people that come through the land and decide and said, instead of killing him, let's sell him. Let's sell him into slavery. And so they take him, they sell him, and he ends up in Potiphar's house. You might have heard the story before. In Potiphar's house, he gets wrongfully accused of some things with Potiphar's wife. And so he gets thrown into jail. It doesn't feel like the way the dream has started. It doesn't seem like the dream of everyone bowing down to him. The next movement is his brothers selling him into slavery. He's brought into Potiphar's house, brought into jail. In jail, he receives some favor. He does well there. And then one day, a cupbearer and a baker come in. And they are two people who are working for Pharaoh in a high level, in a high capacity. And they get sent into jail. And when they're in jail, they have a dream. And in chapter 40... In verse 7, Joseph sees them. He says to them, why are your faces downcast today? And they said to him, well, we have had dreams, and there's no one to interpret them. And Joseph said to them, do not all interpretations belong to God? Please tell them to me. And so they recount their dreams to Joseph. And they said, we each had two dreams, and this is what it was like, and this is what it was. And, and Joseph says to them, the interpretation is this. In three days, both of you guys are going to be gone from here. One of you is going to be killed. One of you is going to be restored. And to you, the one who's going to be restored, remember me down in here in the jail. Put in a good word for me. Help me to get out of here. And so, of course, three days later, that's exactly what happens. One of them is killed. One of them is restored and ends up back in Pharaoh's court. And it says at the end of, of chapter 40, it said, the chief cupbearer did not remember Joseph and said, forgot him. And 41 says, after two whole years, Pharaoh now has a dream. There's a lot of dreams in the story. And so Pharaoh has a dream, and essentially he dreams about uh, these, these, these seven years of, of abundance, of plenty, and seven years of famine, and no one can interpret his dream. Finally, the cupbearer remembers. There was this, this, this Hebrew guy back in the jail. Doesn't even remember his name. He says, but there was this guy who interpreted my dream once. Maybe he can help us. So Pharaoh sends for him, cleans him up. and says they give him a shave. They give him some fresh clothes. And he interprets Pharaoh's dreams. And now for the first time, he finds himself in a place of of being lifted up. Pharaoh says, I'm going to make you second in command. Lead us out of this famine. I want you to, to help us. And, and, and things start to turn around. And then, after many years, even after that, one day the brothers who live far away from there, they experience the famine. And their dad says, Jacob says, go to the land of Egypt to buy food. And one day, Joseph is working. And he sees his brothers again, buying food from him. Coming back, bowing down because he's second in command. The dream is finally starting to come to fruition. 
And even after more time after that, some back and forth, some more family drama, eventually all the brothers and the dad moved to Egypt. And there, once again, they bow in front of Joseph. It says they don't recognize him because he looks differently. He acts differently. So much time had passed. And they find themselves in a whole different scenario with him. The dream that God had put in his heart all the way back here is now coming into fruition. Now, we've raced through the story. If you have time, go read it. It's fascinating. It's incredible. And I hope God encourages you through it. But there's four words that I want to pull out today. Four words. The first three are going to sound a little negative. They're going to sound a little like, I don't know about this. That has to do with the time between when the conception and, and, and start of a dream to it coming into action. Now, these aren't my words. This is a pastor in, in Oregon who, who kind of came up with these. And I just think they work so well. And so I want to share them with you guys. And the first word is different. You see, when we have a dream and God gives us a dream and then it comes into fruition, a lot of times it's different. You see, the beginning of the dream is not going to look very much like the end of the dream. The beginning of the dream is going to look a lot different than what the ending looks like. Some people have said just as much as a little tiny seed looks like a tree, that's what you can expect your dream to look like. Imagine walking in and seeing a table full of ingredients, flour, sugar, some eggs, baking soda, to think that that one day would be a cake? Who came up with that? But, but the idea is this, something that, that, that can start in one way can have a different ending, and oftentimes the dream that God gives us is going to end up to be a lot more different than when we first started. And the truth is this, the truth is that it's hard to see what the future is going to look like. In fact, these are words of wisdom even by a friend of ours, a little green guy named Yoda, who says, difficult to see, always in motion the future is. The truth is this, it's hard for us to imagine what the future is going to be. It's hard for us to have a clear picture of what the end is going to be. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 13, 12, Now I know in part, but then someday I will know fully what the will and the plan and my identity in God is. The idea is that God reveals to us little bits at a time. He doesn't let us see the whole picture. I think the reason we don't know the outcome, the full design, the full picture, the reason it changes as we dream is because if we knew the outcome, then we would stop trusting him. We would take out that faith component. We would just go straight to the end. We would just go straight to what the outcome is supposed to look like. We would miss all of the steps in between. Very much like Indiana Jones crossing the, the, the bridge of faith where he has to take one step of faith at a time in a similar way, God creates dependence on him by not giving us the end result, but letting us go through the journey. Someone said that he shows us just enough about tomorrow to show us instead how to live today. He gives us broad strokes, not the details. Even when you pray, you maybe begin to start to pray, God, what, what do you have for me in this next season? I think oftentimes God will say to us and prepare us for things. He might say to us, hey, it's time for you to, to go to school, to go to college. Which school, which degree, which field? That might be something that you're going to iron out later on. That might look differently than when you first start. But God has put inside of us a desire, some broad strokes to say, here's what's next in life. Maybe you need to take care of someone that you love. What does that look like? Well, it might be different as it progresses. But God has put that initial desire in your heart, that dream in your heart. And in order to trust him, we have to understand that it might look different at the end. The second thing is that our dream might become harder. You see, when, when Joseph thinks about the dream of his brothers bowing down to him and his parents bowing down to him, I wonder if he had had these thoughts of him being in a cistern, about him being sold into slavery, 
about him being wrongfully accused, put into jail, forgotten in jail. No, we never think about those things. We never think about the hard times. We have this mentality where we kind of tend to romanticize and, and idealize and think, man, everything's gonna be great. Everything's gonna be awesome. We don't think about the negative stuff coming. We only think about the, how great and how awesome and how cool something looks. Maybe it's a, a dream of a new job or a move or a transition of sorts. And we just think, man, it's gonna be great. It's gonna be awesome. It's gonna be cool. We see all of the good and we see none of the bad. We need to start to adjust our focus and start to look at things differently. I think with young people and, and working with young adults and even in my own life, it's easy for people who have a desire to get married to kind of have this romanticized view of marriage. It's like, man, I, I desire that. I want to get married. It's going to be awesome. It's going to be great. We're going to hang out and spend time and this and that. And we have this whole mindset. And if you talk to someone who is married, they would say, well, yeah, I mean, that's true, but it's also hard work. Amen? Maybe not too loud, okay? But... God is calling us into a life that sometimes is going to be difficult, and it's not linear. I think we just think, man, when we start and what God has called us to, what God has put in our hearts, that's going to come to fruition. It's going to be easy. It's going to be rainbows and butterflies. That's not always the case. Life happens, and it's not always linear. Philippians 4.13 says, uh, I, it says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And we oftentimes think of that in terms of sports and, you know, a cool motto, I can accomplish this, I can accomplish that. But the truth is that when Paul speaks those words, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength, he is talking about his ups and his downs in life. He talks about all the, the good things that he's seen, but also all the difficult times, the suffering, the times of wanting, the, the times that he's endured great pain. He says, but through all these circumstances, I can accomplish all things through Christ who gives me strength because God is my strength. I can be content in those circumstances. And so whatever our dreams are, they might be a little harder than we expected, but with God, we can accomplish what he has for us. So our dreams might be different. They might be harder. And just to encourage you guys, they might be longer than what we expect too. I want to do some quick math with you guys. This is eight chapters that we have kind of covered. We said his story it spans 10 chapters, but in eight chapters, we actually see 22 years of Joseph from the time his dream starts at 17 to when, when, when he has his dream to when it starts to go into completion at age 30. We see this passage of time from 17 to 30, there, there, there's nine years before his dream actually happens. Like That's when he talks to Pharaoh and interprets Pharaoh's dream. There's nine more years at the beginning of the dream until his brothers one day end up bowing to him. You see, God's timeline is not our timeline. He's not interested in, in, in speeding things up like we often do. In chapter 41, verse 1, it actually says this, after two whole years, and then it kind of keeps going and going and going and going. Two whole years pass just like that in the story of Joseph. But not if you're Joseph. Two years in jail? This isn't jail where he's like, you know, reading books and playing video games. This is prehistoric prison and, and, and who, who knows what was going on. He doesn't have his friends there to encourage him. He's not going to Bible study. He's not reading quotes and verses online. He's, he's in jail waiting on this promise that God, I didn't ask for that. That dream, you put it in my heart. What, what am I doing here? It's hard for us to wait because we live in this immediacy culture and generation where we just see everyone's highlight reels, especially on social media. We see all the cool things happening, all the good stuff happening, and we don't like waiting. 
There was this church this one time that celebrated 10 years of being a church, um, and they created a documentary of their church history, and they went from highlight to highlight to highlight. Here's all the, the milestones, all the great things that we hit. And in one of the, the, the clips, in one of the videos, they interviewed the pastor, and he said, you know, the danger is that you see our journey, and you see all these high points, and think that that's all it ever was. He says, the truth is, there were times that we had to have hard conversations, that we had to make hard decisions, that money was tight, we didn't know what to do, what to buy, and what decisions to make. There's all these ups and downs, there's so much more multifaceted situations where we just kind of look at the highlights, and we think, man, it'll be easy. Everything will be a breeze. But if God has given you a dream, it might be different, it might be harder, it might be longer, but here's the last word, the best word, it's going to be better. It's going to be better than expected. You see, Joseph had this idea, and, and again, we don't know exactly what was in his head, but he saw his brothers bowing down to him, his family bowing down to him. God had put this in his heart. When he comes to the other side, he sees it as a completion, but what we know, being on the outside of the story, is that it wasn't just about Joseph and his dream and his brothers and his family. It actually was about the people of God and the lineage of God. You see, the, the people of Israel ended up in Egypt because there was a famine, and they could have died in this famine, but they get to Egypt and they're preserved, their lineage is preserved, and during their time there, they start to multiply, they start to grow as a people. And this is the same people that then Moses is going to come free and God's going to provide kings for and a law for. And eventually it's the same people through whom Jesus is going to come. The dream he had put in his heart was so much bigger than just him and his brothers bowing down to him. It was better than that. It was about Jesus coming through this lineage, through the people of Israel. But Joseph couldn't know that. And in fact, some people think that Joseph was arrogant or maybe he was immature or he was uh, he didn't know what he was doing he, he just kind of had this idea of hey let me tell my brothers everything that I think everything that I see and experience and said so God was preparing Joseph to be all the way on the other side where Pharaoh looks at him and says you're a man of maturity where his brothers look at him and say we don't even recognize you where something had happened because of the journey the process of the start of the dream to the completion of the dream you see, God is so much more interested in us and developing us. It's not about the dream itself. It's about what he's doing inside and through you. God wants to take us through dreams that are different or harder or, and take us there longer because ultimately he wants to prepare our character to be able to steward the success that that dream will bring. Uh, let me say it this way. You think of child celebrities who become famous overnight and, and they squander things, they make poor decisions. It's because they don't have the character to sustain that. The only way our character gets developed is through the difficulty, through the hardship, through time, and through God working in us. So church, I don't know what dreams God has put in your heart. I don't know what dreams have been stirring, what passions you have, what burdens, what things you wanna see and do and accomplish, but understand this, that they might be different. The outcome of them might be different than what you're thinking. The journey to get there might be harder and it might be longer, but ultimately we believe and we trust that it's gonna be better. And the best way to grow in these areas is this. If we to understand that it's different, then we need to trust God. When we understand that it's harder, we need to not give up. When we see that it's longer, we need to be patient and wait. And when it becomes better, we need to celebrate with one another. So what is God laying on your heart? What has he spoken to you? What vision, dream, passion has he given you? And understand that it may not have happened yet. 
took 22 years to even start to happen for Joseph. Maybe you're still waiting. Maybe you're frustrated. Maybe you're angry. Maybe you've given up. God is saying today, listen, I'm going to bring to pass the dream that I've put in your heart. I'm going to accomplish what I told you I was going to accomplish. Will you walk with me, journey with me, and trust me along the way? Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you this morning for your word, for your scriptures. Thank you, Father God, that you speak to us, that you speak to our hearts. Thank you, Father God, that you want to do in us great, mighty, and powerful things. You've given us desires, you've given us passions, dreams, things to look towards, things to hope for. Help us, Father, to dream dreams. Help us, Father, to trust you to bring those to completion. It's not going to be our timeline. It's not going to be our pathway. It's not going to be how we would do these things, Father. No, it's going to be better. The outcome is going to be greater because you're working in and through us. So, Father, speak to us this morning. Encourage us. Bless our souls. Help us to dream again. We ask these things, Father, in your holy name. Amen.